And I'm recording. Beautiful. Uh, yeah, apparently uh, Google Fi just got to my neighborhood, and it's a big deal. Ooh. Are you going to switch yeah. over? No, not at all. It's it's super expensive. And also, realistically, I only use the internet for, like, Google Docs or every once in a blue moon this and streaming things. So uh-huh. I don't. I don't really need uh, super fast internet. Like, I, I think that the the level at which I need internet is I'm right there. So as speeds increase, if they retain the old speeds, I might be able to get my internet cheaper and cheaper. All right, you're going to be grandfathered in because you're going to keep the old plan for the next fifty years. Yeah, but what's more than likely to happen is that they're going to just design new tiers, and you have to subscribe to those new tiers. Like, they're not going to uh, allow you to uh, stay on the old plans. Like, that's pretty much... Have you heard of anyone being a Verizon customer that doesn't have uh, an unlimited data plan? Like, I don't think they exist anymore. Oh, I have one. I'm still grandfathered in. Really? Yeah. So you pay, like, per gig or like how, how does yours work no it's it's unlimited but i think after five gigs it drops from 4g to 3g oh it throttles yeah which sucks yeah and because then they created the the unlimited unlimited so like true unlimited and raised the cost on it so yeah. essentially they're offering the same stuff that they used to but for a higher cost which is uh number one bullshit it is it really is yeah but anyways, what's new? Um, uh, I guess a lot. How long has it been? It's been like two months, months, hasn't it? Yeah, something like that. It's it's been a long time. Jeez, what's new with you? Um, let's see. It's uh incredibly hot in Phoenix. It's literally the worst. Uh, it, like one fifteen area, give or take, which is uh miserable. Is so, it humid up there? It's humid down here today. Uh, today it is like, I'm really sweaty today, but I'm, I'm not really sure why, because it never actually rained. Like we, I assumed monsoons would still be a thing. Maybe not as much as in Tucson, but it never really rained. I think it rained here once. And then we had two like wind storms with haboobs and yeah. And, uh, one gust of wind and it knocks out my power for a couple hours. So, uh, but but it never really rained, but we're catching weird humidity, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah, the dew point's not high enough. I don't know what a dew point is, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, um, let's see. So so uh, it's really hot in Phoenix. Um, I uh, let's see what's new. What's new? Not a whole lot's new. I've been playing stuff really safe, saving a lot of money. Just because I, uh, this week, I've got a couple job offers, so I might quit my job. And, uh, where are you new job offers? Uh, well, there's one for this company called, it's a startup, which poses some risk because I, I don't know, uh, how much of, I, I don't actually know much about this, but, um, you know, everyone's been kind of concerned about a uh, uh, recession coming on in like yeah. as early as 2020, 
So I don't know what happens to startups in recessions. Like, I feel like that's bad. You uh-huh. know what I mean? But if it's not, and if somehow they can provide me some assurance that I wouldn't get, <laughs> you know, fired or something like that, it's actually a cool job. It's like a company that does, um, like, personalized personalized through machine learning uh, assessments. And then with those assessments, they match you up with uh, coaches. And then those coaches better your life in a myriad of different ways. Oh, you're going to be working for life coaches. Yeah, basically. Basically. Um, uh, the real perk of that is that the office is just down the street. Like, uh, I don't know how long the walk would be, but I fantasize about buying a bike and then just being able to bike to work and not having to drive or find parking or get on the freeway or anything like that. So that's a def- definite perk. And um, I don't know, the salary's good and it doesn't seem like it's uh too much time spent on any of that stuff and um in general i think i just need some change at the moment uh-huh like have you ever been in a uh a rut oh yeah constantly <laughs> constantly in a rut you're constantly in a rut oh yeah yeah so i uh i kind of need to shake shake things up a little bit and that might be a good way to do so. So but, when you say when you say a rut is it just in your work life you're you're just a machine now at work there's no Well, here's here's kind of my problem with where I'm at. I don't know how much of the saga you want. But uh It's 2 months. I assume there's probably hours of saga that I've missed out y- on. Yeah, I could probably do a couple episodes worth of just just that. But here's kind of my deal. So uh, I had my mid-year review in June-ish or maybe early July. Uh And uh, they spent – I I knew immediately that I wasn't going to get what I wanted when they scheduled me for my mid-year review the night before it was scheduled for. So meaning that there was very little thought put into it. You know right. What I mean, and 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 granted, maybe I read too much into this stuff, but it it ended up being a uh, self fulfilling prophecy, like, or not because I suspected it, but I ended up being accurate. So not only was it just, uh, not only was it just half or uh, scheduled the the night before that it was set to take place, but also it was only scheduled for half an hour, like. Half an hour in individual time can mean a lot. You can get a lot done in individual time. What I've discovered being part of a corporate job now for almost two years is that uh, ha- half an hour at a at an office environment, like nothing gets done. Nothing gets yeah. done in half an hour. Like I don't know how many big meetings with a lot of people you've uh, been to. But what I've discovered is that meetings are just about the biggest time wasters. Yeah, it's all it's ninety percent talking about what you did last time and trying to figure out a new time to talk about a new topic. Dude, so that's that's pretty much one hundred percent accurate. Ten percent of the time, you're actually talking about what you're meeting about, and you get nothing done. Right. It's like in the first ten to fifteen minutes, 
somebody is saying something like, oh, okay, here's what's coming down the pipe. Here's what we're going to adjust for, whatever. And then one person will be like, oh, what are the tax implications of XYZ? And then this one specific question that only affects one person, we spend the next 45 minutes uh, just going into. Mm-hmm. So then the whole hour has basically been wasted talking about this one niche selective uh, part of part of whatever it is we're meeting about, and then nothing gets done. And so that's basically, okay, then we schedule another meeting to go over all the stuff that we didn't go over. And then that basically keeps happening for weeks on end. Uh-huh. And people wonder why none of this shit ever, ever happens. So meetings are useless. So a half an hour meeting you know, about my mid-year review, I already know that I'm walking into something that just, like, doesn't matter. Right. Nothing, nothing's going to happen. So I go to my mid-year review, and prior to this, it should be noted that I uh, – I don't know if I – I don't remember if I told you all of this, but I applied internally for a sales job with the company. I, I think you told all, me about this. I, I did. Yeah. yeah. So I get all the way through all the interviews. They all say I'm great and, you know, whatever. But then on the last phase gate, the uh, vice president of sales says that I'm too analytical for the job, which doesn't make any goddamn sense because it's like, but then based on the person that they did hire for that same position, it's like, oh, you actually meant, like, I thought they were just blowing smoke, but it's like, oh, you actually meant it. Like, they hired a stupid person for the job. So it's uh-huh. like you actively wanted somebody who's dumb. So, you know, maybe tells me that that's not the right job for me anyways. So that happened. Then there was a management position that I think I talked to you about also. And I applied for that. Then they said, oh, we're going to be pretty much how the uh, how the interview process is going to work is you need to build a presentation with, you know, sort of your ideas for your department and blah, 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 how you would implement these things and use a one three one format. Companies are super into one three one. Basically what that means is one problem, three proposed solutions, and then the one that you think is the best one. It's it's like all dumb dumb shit like that. Like more time is spent on things like that, like one three one or KPIs or M and M's and all that kind of dumb shit. So uh-huh. so I made a pre- I made a presentation and then um they ended up just selecting someone and not allowing me to present, which ultimately I think was a dumb move because here you could have had all these free ideas from me and still not given me the job, but now you would have had my free ideas. It's like, well, now I'm going to charge for those. Like I'm not going to give those away for free now. Uh So that, so that happened. Uh, So, so all of these things happen. And yet I go into my mid-year review and they basically say like, man, you know, you're just, you're pretty much the top of our team. You're the top of our little department here. You know, how did you get so good? And how can you coach the other people on your team? How can you do all this stuff? You know, whatever. So they spend uh, 45 minutes, maybe even 50 minutes talking about that and talking about how my performance has been here and how to quote, oh man, you've got a lot of runway here. You've got a lot of runway. Like, you know, just just keep working hard and blah, blah, blah. 
So then in the last 10 to maybe 15 minutes, actually, it was probably less than that. It was probably five minutes. They slide this piece of paper over to me and they're like, hey, yeah, so we're happy to, you know, give you a promotion and title and uh, a pay raise. And I look at it and the promotion and title basically just steps me up to the next tier. Like I was a level one. Now I'm a level two. Uh And therefore the pay grade bumped me from a level one to a level two. Here's my problem with that. Um, I'm already doing the work of a senior on on the team. Like I exclusively work for our major accounts and I'm doing extra work because I'm going customer facing. I'm not just doing stuff in the background like operations. Um, And I've already been doing the account work that is for a senior or a level three. And more importantly, I openly stated to them that I have, have no desire just to track from a level one, level two, level three, and then and do that whole thing. I told them openly that, you know, I am looking to kind of transfer out or do something a little bit larger. So they they have the piece of paper and it's it's like a it's a contract. It has a signature line and uh says like, oh yeah, you accept your salary, whatever. And I said, look, I don't want to be gauche and you know I absolutely appreciate it. But I kind of have want to have a discussion about my the value that I add and uh, kind of what goes into that. And they said, yeah, that's totally fair. You know, once the director of sales operations comes back, because um, he was in Europe at the time. Of course. Of course. So when he gets back, you can have this uh, conversation about your compensation. Uh, he gets back. We have a conversation, but it was like a five-minute one, and it had nothing to do with my compensation, and it was mostly all like platitudes and attaboys and bullshit like that, and I still never signed my compensation agreement, and that's where we are today, and so to me, it's like now I have a couple other job offers coming through. I've got no desire to be where I'm at at all. And so uh-huh. I'm about to go have the first of those, you know, like tough conversations where, you know, I'm going to be like, look, I don't want to turn this into a hostage situation where either you give me what I want or I quit. But at the same time, I've seen no career growth for my peers. Like they're still where they're at, you know, or they've gotten their like annual uh, pay raises, but nothing significant. They're not getting into anything more complex or anything like that. Um, you guys made the mistake of showing me the numbers of where I'm doing si- like the revenue generated by our team. I'm delivering 60%. And then the other 80% of the people on our team generate the 40% right. remaining. So I'm more valuable as an individual. I do more stuff. I have more impact on the company. Uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where, I don't know what their policy is on that, if they're going to want to retain me or anything, but ultimately I think maybe it's time for some change anyways, dig myself out of this rut. So I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to have like a, one of those hard conversations this week, but I kind of think that I, uh, and we've definitely talked about this before, I kind of have a tendency to take the safe route in a lot of stuff. So I think it's, it's time to kind of shake things up a little bit. Oh man, you're going to shake it up. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't understand. The The only thing that's giving me any reticency is the idea of this recession looming on. Because if we weren't thinking about that, or if that wasn't something I had to consider, it doesn't make any damn sense for me to stay where I'm at. They, 
their tuition reimbursement program is defunct, so I can't even pay for like the online programs that I want to do in order mm-hmm. to enhance my career. The the uh, the it doesn't look like there's any upwards mobility, or at least I'm not moving at the rate that I would like to. And uh, it doesn't look. Uh, I'm also not getting paid what I want to either, or not as much as I think I deserve. So, what incentive is there for me to keep doing what I'm doing exactly? Yeah, it's just it's the whole this whole uh, idea that you should just be thankful you have a job. Yeah, well, I think they're relying on the idea that I'm just going to be complacent. Like I would just yeah. say, okay, well, let me sit at my desk and keep doing what I'm doing. I guess. And, and it's, I don't know. It's ridiculous. It's, I think it's a little ridiculous. Yeah. I, well, that because it's like at least when I first started, I was learning how to be part of a business and have a professional career. Now I'm not learning shit. Like every uh-huh. day I just – I go in. I do the job. I already know how to do it. And then I leave. So there's really no growth happening and that drives me crazy. That's no bueno. No bueno. I have to be constantly stretching and doing things like that and – if I'm not, then it makes me very uncomfortable. So I don't know. So you got this. That's... You have this lead with this uh, coaching gig. What's the other lead? Uh, the other lead is with a, another software company, but I'm, st- and you know, it's uh, it's a little bit more structured and a little bit more organized than my current job is. But I think that this has. I don't know. I've. Do you ever feel like? And, and I don't know if this is true for you or not, but do you ever feel like you haven't tried enough stuff? I used to feel like that. I, I feel like that now, but in the sense of life experiences. Yeah. I feel like I should be traveling more and bungee jumping or <laughs> horseback riding on the weekends or, you know, having more hobbies, stuff like that. Right. I think that would help, uh, you know, my creative work, bringing new experiences and uh, to work and writing and all that other fun stuff. Yeah, I mean that's probably true. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know. Um, yeah, I mean, I kind of think because I was getting a little discouraged because I started to think uh, because my my buddy who's been working in tech jobs since he graduated college um and he's kind of like yeah well you know that's that's the industry and that's that's the corporate life like you know you're not these things don't move quickly and you kind of uh, it all depends on whether or not you're part of the the good old boys club and, and that sort of thing you know and uh so that made me think that like well jesus i didn't quite like academia wasn't for me you know, because I, I decided that I didn't really want to be a professor or a PhD scientist or something, which then it was an interesting time to decide that when I already got a science degree, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I decided that academia wasn't for me. And then I kind of went from small job to small job, but not anything that I really cared about, just something to make income. And now I'm looking into this and it's like, well, it just doesn't seem like you know, these really big corporate jobs are for me either. So for a brief second there, I got really discouraged because I was like, man, it doesn't seem like I, you know, I'm good at doing a lot of this stuff, but it it doesn't actually seem like I like to do any of this stuff. But then I had to 
take a step back and realize in perspective that ultimately I haven't really tried all that much stuff. Uh-huh. Like I've only tried like this one desk job and I have only tried freelancing in a very small select sort of way, collecting money as a 1099. And I didn't really try academia or like I looked into academia and didn't really care. So ultimately I haven't really tried all that much stuff. So I'm kind of thinking that I want to just try a lot of different things. And that's because good. It, I think that's good. Yeah. I mean, it hasn't been obvious for me, you know, like I think we've discussed this before, but, but you know, you knew that you wanted to make movies and my sister knew that she wanted to be a scientist and, you know, somehow people understand what they or they at least understand some driving force that um, gets them to where they want to be, like what they want to be working on. And for myself, I've I've never really had that. Like I have uh, a lot of things that I'm good at, but I haven't really found something, uh, you know, the difference between a push and a pull. Like I, I can push myself to do just about anything. I can push myself to show up every day to this bullshit job that I work you know, but something that pulls you is something that even on your days off or even on, you know, days where you don't feel like it or you're, you're not adequately prepared, you're still going to do those things. Mm-hmm. So I kind of want to find something that's a little bit more like that. And I think that the w- only way you do that in my position is to try a whole bunch of stuff. Because if you don't, you know, if I'm not happy with what I'm currently doing, then, you know, what what's going to make me feel better about going to another structured corporate job. I think that I ultimately need to find something that I actively like to do and something that I'm good at. And then I can apply my resources towards that as opposed to finding another job that sure I can get, but what difference does that make really? Right. No, I think that's a good move to try new things. And it's uh, because you can't just sit there and think about what you want to do. That makes you happy doing it. You have to go do things to figure that out. Yeah, it could I mean, be something you've never even thought of before, like uh, woodworking or something. <laughs> I could be a woodworker. You know, but, people uh, love doing that stuff, and they don't know they they love it until they join Boy Scouts or something. Yeah, yeah. So I I guess I just need to uh, experiment and and try some stuff. I'm not really sure. You know, but but that's kind of the. I, I'm I'm wondering if I should go back to a model with which, I. I don't know. I'm trying to maximize my income and my time at the same time, and that's an interesting duality. Yeah. I don't think oh, you should I'm, go back. Only forward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No way I'm going back to anything I've already previously done because I know that that's a waste of time. You know what I mean? Like, and, and that's kind of the thing. That's the appeal to trying a whole bunch more things because I'm ruling out the things that don't work or that I don't like, and therefore I know to not go back or not uh-huh. try all that stuff. So now everything that I try will be novel and will be different. So... That's kind of why I, I'm not really looking into the the other software job because it's an analyst position. You know, it's good money, and I would be just looking into pricing plans and markets and all that kind of stuff. But it's like that that I already know how that goes, or I think I know how that goes, and it doesn't 
sure it pays the bills and in a good way, but I don't think it makes me any more interested in what I'm doing. Uh huh. Do you, uh, so with this recession looming with the talk of it in the air, do you, have you thought about that at all in a way of, uh, your business idea you've been talking about for a while? Yeah, see, that's sort of the thing. So my business idea and my and in a in a similar vein, this this coaching other job, I think that the recession will hit those two things pretty hard because, well, it may or it may not because I feel like the coaching sort of thing will be seen as superfluous. If the recession takes a big, like if we all take a big hit because of the recession, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like everyone will strip down to just the essentials to maintain profitability. So right. that that kind of gives me pause about making that move or making that jump. And with my idea, it kind of, it can go one of two ways. Either one, it will also be seen as superfluous and it will be an incredibly bad time for it. Or it will be seen as more necessary than ever to become streamlined and efficient. So if I were to gear myself in that direction, that could actually be an asset as opposed to a liability. That's what I was thinking that, uh, well, in theory, if a recession hits, they're going to streamline everything no matter what. Like people are going to get laid off and all that other stuff. But it's also a time as businesses start to rebuild to restructure and implement new ideas to be more efficient. So that might be something uh, you can sell. Yeah. Also, I feel like after 2008, a lot of people had to go the entrepreneur route. Everybody had to become their own CEO Mm -hmm. just to make ends meet. Everybody has their side hustle where they're running some sort of side business. Yeah. So I wonder if that's going to be even more of a thing after this next one. Like more more side hustles? More side hustles or more side hustles are just going to become main hustles. And how do I make this the best hustle ever? Yeah, I, I mean, that's that's definitely uh, a possibility. That, that was something I was kind of toying with the idea also is having a side hustle that I then just keep nurturing and turn into a main hustle, like create a you know, five to eight year plan that's all about nurturing a side hustle for eventual conversion. Uh huh. I mean, that's essentially what you did, no? Because you used to work at Barnes and Noble. Right. And then you converted your side hustle into the main hustle. Right. But that didn't really happen until I quit. The, the conversion. Yeah. I didn't go through like a smooth conversion. It was a abrupt... <laughs> I ripped off the band-aid. It was I chopped off the umbilical cord. Dang. That's that's Got a bold move. But I don't know. Wow. I I think I think it's just something to think about. I think it's uh try to turn this big negative coming up into a positive and maybe work towards that. If the coaching gig pays really well, is the coaching gig gonna pay just as well as your current gig or uh, it pays better because already if I don't do anything, the salary is higher than what I currently make. Beautiful. But then I also make 
commission on top of that. So theoretically, I could be making quite a bit more than what I'm already making. And they're one of these com- that one of these modern companies that's like um, really huge on work life balance. Like, not only do you have unlimited time off, but they also give you, I think, ten what they call quote unquote inner work days, meaning and they're mandatory. So ten days out of the year, you have to. You know, oh, I really just needed some, like, it can be anything from, oh, I I took this class, and here's what I did. Or it can be like, oh, I needed these 10 days just to meditate and go to this retreat. Or it can be, I needed 10 days for mental health, so I did nothing and and sat on the couch and drank beer. Like, they they don't care what it is, but you have to, like, defensively say why it was something good for you. Uh So... It seems really friendly to nurture a side hustle in. It sounds like or a great maybe, move. Just do it, man. Yeah. Just do it. Don't even argue with whoever you're talking, thinking about arguing with this week. Yeah. Just turn in your notice. Let it go. Rip off the band-aid. <laughs> Take the leap. Get rid of the get rid of the past. Get rid of the past. All that baggage. Yeah. You learned what you learned. Yeah. Keep moving. Keep moving well, forward. And I also read that that the the days of having a career that you work at for forty years and then you get a gold watch and retire and you know whatever those days are over. Like yeah. essentially, p- people change careers on average these days every two years. And I think that that's because we're we're at this kind of central focal point where there's more jobs available than there ever was but we're also at the highest rate of employment that we've been in a long time so essentially we've got this nebulous shifting and and, you know what the recession impending recession will do to that i have no idea i'm not an economist right and 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 the employment is kind of stagnant like not a lot of people are progressing they're just riding a wave and so it makes sense that People want to hop from different job to job. In yeah. theory, hopefully, going to move up at some point. Yeah. So that that stagnation is is something else. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. If I look at ways to turn the potential negatives into positives, then ultimately uh, the move wouldn't be complicated. Um, my income wouldn't be complicated and you know then my goals can reshape themselves and they can become something you know kind of different Uh so maybe that's a better way to look at stuff yeah yeah man do it do it do it do it all right well i have my uh final interview this uh this week so that hopefully will go well print out your two-week notice or four day four hour notice whatever they do nowadays (laughs) I think it's still a two week notice, but uh you know, I don't uh I don't know, I I don't I don't really know how that works and I I don't really care, honestly. Like I'm I gonna, think you should I'm do gonna... two weeks because if you needed a reference or if you ever needed to go back, I'm sure it's good to leave on a high note or good in a good way as opposed to storming out. <laughs> Yelling and storming out, I, I shouldn't do that. Yeah, kicking all the wastebaskets over. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, I guess that would be uh, in poor taste. 
But yeah, and, and also this that new job would be kind of more in line with like because for instance, one of the major clients for this new job is LinkedIn, and they go through and they coach all of LinkedIn's employees on how to be better and how to be doing stuff better and novel ideas and all that kind of stuff. Like they consult for LinkedIn. So that's kind of in line with what I want to do as an individual. Yeah, man. So it's, it seems more also, related. Yeah. If you become a coach, you can just sneak yourself in that list of coaches. That yeah. I mean, a little, uh, inside trading, but uh, conflict no, of I interest? I don't. I don't think that's a conflict of. Well, I don't know. I'll. I'll have to ask him. But they made it seem like you could essentially pick up things like that. Oh, cool. Yeah, but I. I don't exactly know how that works. Uh, also, you're gonna have to give me an iPhone masterclass because I don't know how to use this thing. Uh, which did you get the brand new one that opens with your yeah. face? Yeah, it, it opens with my face, which is cool i guess but i don't know how to use like it's incredibly frustrating to me that there is no menu for apps like they're all on your desktop or they don't exist what's what's up with that it's just easier what do you want a menu what do you what do you on windows 98 on your phone <laughs> no i i want a menu such that i don't need all this clutter on my desktop but i can still have a bunch of stuff on my phone you can uh, group the apps if you want to be in specific folders. I know. <laughs> I know. But now I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven folders. So? It's That's a lot. To get used to. It's just something to get used to. All right. Three yeah, things I, I think you should know about this iPhone. And I don't know if it's on yours, but I know it's on mine. Okay. If you click on the clock, there's, clock. A, there's a, uh, for your time and where you set your alarm. Uh huh. There's a bedtime option. Yeah. Do you have Do you have that? Yeah, I just looked at that actually. It will. Uh, you tell it what time you want to go to bed and what time you want to wake up. And during those hours where you're asleep, it puts your phone in uh, do not disturb mode, so your phone doesn't alert for texts or phone calls or emails or anything like that. Uh huh. And it turns on the uh, daytime, nighttime. The, the daylight filter, the nighttime filter. Uh-huh. So it makes your phone, uh, it filters out the blue light so it doesn't keep you keep you, keep you uh, stimulated. Yeah. I think it's great. You might need your phone to ring, but I'm sure you can set that somewhere. And oh, then yeah, you and it gives you, like, sleep history. Uh-huh. Dang. This thing's uh, complex. Yeah. And what's another good thing on the iPhone? you swipe up i don't know if you can swipe up and you have that menu with all like the functions on it uh that just opens up all all this if i swipe up like from the bottom it opens up all the stuff that i have open like all the different windows oh really yeah oh on my phone if you swipe up it brings you to this menu that you can turn off your wi-fi turn off the bluetooth put it in airplane mode Put it in do not disturb mode. It oh, has the flashlight swiped... button. Yeah, that's if I swipe down from the top. Yeah. So uh, that's where it is. Screen lock and all that other fun stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah, see, this will make things easier. Anyways, yeah, trying to, trying to navigate between the 
Android and iPhone world, and we'll see how this goes. So far, it's it's not bad. It's it's good. Cool phone. Whatever. And if you click and hold on the Bluetooth button, it should open up another menu. Uh-huh. For more to, to more settings, if you need more settings. Hmm. So many settings. So many settings. But yeah. Anyways, what's uh what's new with you? How's Chris Scott Studios or whatever uh, Ele- uh Elephant Scout Studios working? Elephant Scout is uh going. We're trying to do another murder mystery night. Okay. And implementing this idea that at some point. Uh, we're going to open up this nonprofit sector that is going to recruit, mentor a young, underrepresented talent, you know, minorities and females and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, give them an opportunity to make a short film with a little bit of a budget and some gear help and some crew, and then putting that screening together. Because mm. uh, I feel like the people that do really well in the uh, independent world, they have had access to money and expensive cameras and stuff like that. Cause they're, they're just, they just have, you know, inf- infinite cash from the parents. Right. And just providing support for kids that don't really have that to say, Hey, it's possible, you know, just give it a little, here's a little push. We'll, we'll help you make yeah. it happen. Help you see your vision. So like a, like an incubator for short film, students yes it's or like uh what's another one yeah it's like an incubator like a like a mastermind Mm -hmm. when you like have like the you know like a startup tucson does it where they like take businesses and is that an incubator Mm -hmm. that's a mentorship program or something like that in theory it's gonna be a mentorship program just to get people to some help, some support to be creative. Yeah, yeah. To to build up uh, that community in Tucson. Yeah. And, yeah. That aligns with Elephant Scouts' mission statement and all that fun stuff. Yeah, that's cool. That's, that's, a, that's a novel idea also because I don't really know outside of being a student at U, uh, at uh, U of A or at Pima... I don't really know how else you get access to equipment like that. You know, right, I mean? right. So, like, so, right. like what? Like what? Huh? What? <laughs> <laughs> We're off our game. It's been a while. It has been a minute. It's been a minute. So, yeah. uh, the other two people I work with at Elephant Scout, they wanted to step up their roles and responsibilities, and that that hasn't been working out too well. No, why not? Uh, one person wanted to be uh, like a unit production manager, which is basically mm-hmm. a project manager. Oh. And she's very impatient and pushy and annoying. And it's... As uh, a project manager? Yeah, as a project manager. And hmm. uh, there's no finesse to her like nudging people to do stuff. It's like, why yeah. haven't you done this yet? So she's very she's very blunt. She's like uh uh not no savoir faire, no uh no kind of uh easing into into guiding you into completing a project or what do you need? How can I be of assistance? It's kind of more like uh 
what what's going on why hasn't this happened let's make it happen that sort of thing right and then when you do tell her something you need like i need a uh art director she just calls the first person she thinks of and hires that person as an art director like no con- con- consulting with directors or the other producers or the anything like that mm. and so it's like calm down uh, this is this isn't working and then the other producer is the complete opposite doesn't respond to anything uh only shows up day of the shoots is not really contributing in the pre-production work as opposed to just the production mm. and yeah so it's been like a it's it was a it's a interesting thing to uh like want to work with people and then have those people ask for more responsibilities and then be upset or not upset, just be not disappointed, but just be thrown off by their approach to the new responsibilities. Yeah. I think it's the difference between, uh, I think it's the difference between before where your projects obviously need a whole bunch of different people with a whole bunch of different experience and different roles in the production and all that kind of stuff. While that was the case, it was more like banding together as a bunch of individual contributors to now you're shifting towards being uh, almost a supervisory sort of role or you're kind of in a, in a central role overseeing other people. And I think that maybe that comes with a dynamic shift. Yeah. So I don't know what's going to happen with it, but we have two more projects to figure out and who knows what's going to happen with it. I, I mm. see myself taking on more and more responsibility, which is what I was hoping to avoid. <laughs> yeah. If, by, by hiring other people, I thought the idea was to grow a decentralized command where you wouldn't have to do everything. Right. And it's not happening. So, but you know, at the same time, elephant scout is kind of like a one man person was a one-man thing and trying to get people to hop on board without really pay but just for Mm -hmm. like for funsies it's a weird thing to ask right because i'm trying to sell the potential of something that could be profitable at some point but it's also not profitable at all right now yeah yeah that's that's also uh that that's kind of that typical growth stage dilemma that a lot of uh independent companies or startups sort of have where we need to have a motivated and aggressively expanding workforce, but obviously we can't pay those people or incentivize those people the same way a larger non-independent company or unit would. So Uh there's sort of that dichotomy in personality where we need somebody who uh, is like interested in aggressive expansion but also thrives well in ambiguity you know what i mean like somebody who doesn't need the structure or you know oh yeah we you get paid twice a month on the 15th and the 30th and you know that's kind of how it works like you need somebody who can thrive in ambiguity but also has that self-driving approach like doesn't need to necessarily be incentivized by all these different perks but is incentivized by the uh promise of the role itself and that's that's a difficult person to find i have you know no experience in doing so but i would imagine that that's a difficult person to find definitely and i don't know i think another part of it is um no i don't know i've i've shared my business plan with these two people Mm -hmm. and i don't 
I don't think it was, I don't think my presentation wasn't that great. So I didn't really spark, uh, in, in inspiration. I didn't inspire them mm. to hop on the train, but at the same time, it's just like, maybe I'm, I'm projecting something I'm internalizing because <laughs> they're, they're not hopping on board this train as much as I'm, I'm trying to. Yeah. Like, uh, well, I mean, of course that's the case also because this, if you are the uh, creator or in this case, the, the CEO of elephant scout, you know, it of course would be problematic or a little bit uh, defeating that other people don't share the same interest or the same quote unquote passion as you do. But also keeping in mind that, you know, that might be a tall order. Yeah. You know, like, I maybe they have a dream of doing their own independent, you know, company or something like that, but they're now involved in yours. So, of course, they wouldn't have the same kind of drive or the same kind of fervor as you might. But you need to have also, it's like simultaneously that balancing act, you need them to have some of that. Otherwise, you don't see the same drive towards the same results that you need to have. Right. Mm, well, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like I've taken a huge step forward, especially writing that business plan and figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And I'm just, I'm just waiting for other people to catch up. And I think I'm not realizing I need to wait a second to let other people catch up with my patience, at least. So, so you've kind of transformed your approach and uh, not everyone else is on the same platform yet. You need to wait or like migrate or manage that experience a little bit. Right. That's, I don't know if I put that all on myself or do I just keep moving forward? I need to keep moving forward. I can't, I can't, I can't wait for people anymore. Yeah. So that's where it's Hmm. happening with that. That's all fun stuff. So, so developing another murder mystery night, and uh, then developing a nonprofit aspect to your studio. Right. At, at some point, I, I would really like to do that. I do believe if there was someone 10 years ago that's like, hey, you're, uh, you're a minority director. There's not a lot of you out there. Let's, let's make us a project for you. I think it would have been uh, and not inspiring, but it would have knock down a lot of walls that I've like put up myself. It's like, Oh, I can't do it because of this. I can't do it because of this. It would have been like, no, you can do it. You just got to figure these three things out and then you can make it happen. Yeah. That, that might actually, I don't know how you would feel about this, but that might actually be a good, uh, panel or item agenda item for 10 West. Oh yeah. That thing's, have you seen that thing's been popping up like crazy? Yeah, well, it seems like they're developing, like, new microcosms of it or something like that. Like, they're developing new, I don't know what to call it, like, units of it or new elements to it. Uh-huh. I'm sure they so have a weird I, word for it. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure. <laughs> but but I see all the time that they're, oh, we're booking the next this and uh, the next event. We're going to have XYZ. Like, like, they've been sending a lot of emails, and I think that's probably because this is around the time of year that they start to like cycle up for it. You uh-huh. know what I mean? But that would be an interesting, or I feel like that would be, I think that that would be something that would fit right in there. Yeah. I'll have to start developing it for next year. Probably. 
Yeah. You just need to give a TED Talk-esque thing, like a TED-esque talk. And uh, I think that that would uh, facilitate kind of what you're trying to do. Okay. All right. I'll figure that's another thing to add to the list. Yeah, the ever-growing list of things that uh, you can Things that I'm do. not checking off yet. <laughs> yeah, I've got a fair amount of those myself. But the um, but the reason why I wanted the other team members to pick up more slack and take more responsibilities because I've been trying to develop my own feature because I want to make another feature film this year. Yeah, Good Cop, Mom Cop 2, or uh, uh, what was the title? It's uh, Right now, I think we're going to own it. We're just going to own it. We're going to call this movie Dirty Harriet. Dirty Harriet, okay. And it's a prequel to Good Cop, Mom Cop. Not the short okay. film, but the, a feature of Good Cop, Mom Cop. And wait, 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 wait. You're doing a prequel full length feature to a full length feature that hasn't been made yet? Yes. So because it's not. I, there, in my head, it's a prequel, but I guess <laughs> it's the first movie in a series for everyone else. Right. It's like most people would see that. They'd watch that, and it would be the first, like, like episode one. You know what I mean? And then the next movie that in your head is the the main timeline that's going to be the second in the series which right. which is fine but it's just interesting to hear you refer to a prequel to releasing a prequel first it's like that's not a prequel that's just a movie <laughs> but I've, I've had this good cop mom cop idea for years and it was yeah. always going to be like the first one to go but now uh making the short film and just like, what do you, what's the next step to this? I that the next step is a prequel to, I guess the short film. Yeah. And eventually make a feature version of the short film. I don't know. Either way. Well, I mean, that kind of makes sense. It's, it's like you, you teased out the, the storyline and now you just build them in, in full length. So it, it, it makes sense. It's not completely, you know, uh, irrational. Yeah, I, I, I will need to uh, think that out in my head and come to terms with all the prequel, sequel ideas, titles. Yeah. Um, well, and also, where do, like, do you already... And this is something that I'm always sort of curious about because, for instance, uh, Lost, if you recall the TV show, it became pretty evident somewhere around season four or season five that they didn't expect the show to go on for that long. And so they kept just putting in filler and then the show ended exactly the way that you thought it would. And they could have cut it down by about three seasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like, do you, do you have a kind of shaped plan already? Or are you sort of sussing that out as you go? Neither no, of I, which would be bad by the way. I, just, I have a, I do have a plan. Uh, mm. the, the original idea was to make good cop, mom cop, and then bad cop, dad cop. <laughs> and then that was it. But now I so, want to add this, uh, like good cop, mom cop prequel to the whole mix. Cause I was uh, thinking about, uh, like El Mariachi and Desperado and once upon a time in Mexico. Okay. And then, uh, what's the other trilogy? that I was thinking about. There's like another indie trilogy that I'm totally spacing on right now. Uh, was it the, was it that thing that you sent me? Maybe. 
Which one? What did I send you? You you it was like a mix of the two uh, uh I don't remember. Any anyways, it it probably wasn't that interesting, but it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Uh like a lot yeah. of uh movie directors have their trilogy of movies. Uh-huh. And I thought, what if this is my trilogy? I think that'd be cool. Yeah. What's the first movie in that? And I thought I was trying to figure out what the first movie could be. And it's just a mom cop movie. Just, just mom cop prequel mom cop. Second movie, good cop, mom cop. Third movie, bad, bad cop, dad cop. Yep. Mm, Okay. That's yeah. Then, and that's when the, the stakes get real. That's when the stakes get real. Everyone has daddy issues. Nobody is safe. But um, but we've been developing Dirty Harriet for a couple months now, and uh, Betsy's on board. She played Mom Cop in the short, Good Cop, Mom Cop, mm-hmm. which is available on Amazon Prime. <laughs> uh, check it out. And we've been uh, developing it. We have a, a proposal. We have a business plan. I've been putting a budget together, and we are, at the moment, 30% funded. Wow. 70% to go. So if you know anyone with 70% of the budget I want. <laughs> if I know any uh if I know any tycoons here in Phoenix, investor types that want to dabble in the movie business. I have this idea. And it's basically just uh Harriet in a diehard situation. Harriet in a diehard, so like at an office park somewhere. At a a, a decommissioned police station. Mm. Well, uh, I don't really know any investor types, and I guess the the real question is, how do you how do you get return on investment in the media business, or I guess in the entertainment industry? Like, how do you get return on investment? This it's the same as if we were developing software. Like, how would you get ROI on software? You sell the software. Right. So uh, with this movie, I'm trying to raise $50,000, which isn't a lot of money, but it's a lot of money to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if we were to sell uh, 7,000 copies on iTunes for 10 bucks, we'd break even. Mm. And I feel like 7,000 is not an un- unobtainable number. S- okay. Yeah. No, I mean, definitely not. So uh, I guess a follow-up question would be, would you exchange uh and and I don't actually know that much about this so you know uh w- whether or not this is a viable solution remains to be seen would you make a deal with investors for percentages of the rights or the the usage rights of the film what do you mean well, like obviously, you want majority share of the rights to sell or the licensing rights, or I, I don't really know how any of that stuff works. But would you offer up portions of that? So then, obviously, the proceeds from like a portion of the proceeds of what you make with it, and then if it becomes something larger than just video streaming sales, uh, then obviously they have a say in the licensing rights of the movie. Uh, I, I wouldn't necessarily say the licensing rights, but what they would have is a piece of the pie for sure. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I, mean, I, I think that's a pretty classic thing. And and the I think there's two pies basically. There's the creative <laughs> pie, and then there's the the money pie. Okay. All right. So. Uh, uh, me being the creative, I'm bringing the whole creative pie, a hundred percent of the creative pie. Okay. And then as with the investors, they bring in the money pie and the money pie, they get to buy slices of it. So let's say someone contributes $25,000. They get half of that money pie. They own half of that money pie. Somebody else has 30% of it. So now we just got to sell the last 20%. Right. So this movie hits big. It makes $100,000. Okay. So since there's two pies, we're going to split that $100,000. And this is after uh, we're, we're profitable. We're in the green. We're no longer in the red. Right. So we sold our 7,000 copies. We've broken even on the movie. Everyone's paid for their investments. Now what? Now that, now that movie's made it big, after everyone's made their money back, we have $100,000. That's where I'm at. Does that make sense? Okay. So essentially investors are paid back on their investment first based on quote unquote breaking even on the movie. And then it goes out to the creative pie. No. Well, yeah. Investors get paid first. So the movie costs $50,000. Whoever invested $50,000, as soon as the movie makes $50,000, they get their money back right away. Okay. And they still own those slices of pie. But but what does that what does that slice of pie represent? It represents a portion of the profits. Okay. So let's so the movie's uh, technically profitable right now. Everyone's gotten paid back. Everyone's even, right? Okay. So the movie makes a hundred thousand dollars. So since there's two pies. This is when the creative gets to fill up their pie with that money and the money guy pie gets to make up, fill up their pie with that money. So 50000 goes to the creative side. 50000 goes to a money side. Okay, so the weight between – I'm trying to like wrap up or I'm trying to like figure out how this works. So essentially the money is split between two evenly weighted pies. Yes. 100% of the creative pie equals 100% of the money pie. Right. So no matter how much is split, like because the money pie might be split between, let's just say, five different investors, 20% each. Uh-huh. If So that's the case. Uh, the movie makes 100000 You uh, own 100% of the creative pie, so that's 50K, and then the other 50K is split up 10 ways, 10K each amongst all five investors in the money pie. Right. Got it. Okay. So so basically, even dividends, but uh, weighted on, on two equal weighted planes. But the thing is, is that obviously, uh, unless you have somebody contributing to the, to the creative pie, no one's going to be splitting profits out of the creative pie. Right. And then on the creative pie side, I can give, uh, they call them points on the back end. You know, they always talk mm-hmm. about on the back end. So like, yeah, I've uh, heard that in, uh, in entourage, but I don't know what the, that means. That means after the movie makes money and there's profits, they get a percentage of the creative pie. Mm. So let, let's okay. say I have, uh, Mark Wahlberg as an actor in my movie 
and I say, you can be in my movie for five points on the back end. So he'd get 5% of that creative pie as a payout. So for- points equals percentage? Yeah. Got it. Okay. See, I'm picking up the lingo. But this is a this is a, a math dance that happens every quarter because all the platforms pay out every quarter. Oh, I didn't know that. So you you know every three months you're gonna have this talk about you know you could be making on that um, that director that I worked with on the werewolf movie. Mm-hmm. He has a horror film on Amazon Prime. It's called Animus. Everyone should check it out. Animus. Mm-hmm. It's a really really uh, independent uh, horror movie. It's filmed here in Southern Arizona. Uh, he was making like 3500 a quarter off this horror movie. Holy shit. Uh, or the movie was he, was, he had like a deal with some distribution company. And I, I don't know how much he got out of it, but that's how much the movie was making. A quarter. Why, why would you need to d- deal with a distribution company if you're streaming it online? They are marketing it for you. They're putting it in package bundles. They're pushing it for you. Okay. So the, the movie makes money. If the movie makes money, they make money. Distribution <laughs> deals are like a whole other conversation. <laughs> That's a whole different thing in, in film education. Right. Hmm. But okay. basically that's what happens when you invest in a film. Hmm. You get a piece of the pie after you get your money back. Got it. Okay. And we, and we have an aggressive marketing plan. Oh. To be profitable within 14 months of production. Wow. How'd you, how'd you set up that plan? Oh, uh, just because uh, Betsy's going to be in it, we have some connections that we're going to pull some strings on. And mm-hmm. hopefully that will kickstart the marketing plan. That's another, uh, have you thought about, I, I, you, I mean, it's right there in the name. Have you thought about doing a Kickstarter for the investment? Uh, I don't want to do Kickstarter. I feel like it's, uh, it's, especially with the indie films here in, in Tucson, at least. It's just so many bad movies <laughs> always being posted all the time, every day, all day, every day. I feel like I see them yeah. all the time. And, and I know it's because it's the circle of friends I have on the internet. But right. it's it's uh, I don't I don't, I think I think it's it's it'd be more impactful if it comes off as with private investors as opposed to a crowdfunding thing. Yeah, I mean I mean that's probably true, and it also in general I mean uh, how many Kickstarters have you seen for? Uh, like I think you're right. I think it's all about the the company that you have directly you know linked to yourself, but. I know myself, I've seen so many of these, like, we're going to raise money for this charity or this uh, Kickstarter, like these kind of campaigns that end up going nowhere because it's not really somebody uh, experienced at the helm, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. But then the problem is is that whenever somebody posts a Kickstarter, you already naturally have this uh, gut reaction that's like, okay, well, here's some bullshit for sure. Yeah. I think the only Which, one I think is like nationally popular is um, Veronica Mars had a movie on HBO. Uh huh. And that was a Kickstarter campaign. Hmm. That's the only one I can think of. I can't think of anything else that actually had that kind of gravity to it. Right. 
yeah i i don't know i i know people have like uh invented uh wireless headphones in, in kickstarters and stuff like that but I'm, I'm not really sure about media projects or anything like that having never seen veronica mars the movie nor the show uh i have no context <laughs> but but uh i don't know it's I, i've I think it's too much work and it's not worth it. And then, cause you have to give off like prizes and stuff. It's just so much work. Yeah. You have to, you have to make those incentivizations. And also I feel like you have to spend so much time just managing the Kickstarter being online and having that like presence and stuff like that, where that doesn't end up translating into anything. Whereas if you're hunting down real, investors that translates into something pretty robustly like that has an exponential growth pattern on it right and i i I feel like dealing with five people let's say as opposed to 500 people that's right that's just i think better in the long run preferable for sure yeah i can see i'm boring you with this film (laughs) investing uh, talk no i've been uh up for a long time and I need to get some some coffee because uh I did a whole bunch of stuff this morning and then now before we took this call I was studying for uh my interview this week and uh just need to get back on the caffeine. Have you been off the caffeine? Uh I've been on and off but I I, this last cycle that I went off, I didn't really actually dedicate to it. So I've just been increasing my dosage on caffeine each time, basically. And so now I'm hitting my my wall that I get to where caffeine stops affecting me, which is no good. You need to go get coffee right now. Yep, basically. Right now. <laughs> right now. Go get it. Right now. Right now? Yep. Uh, stand by. Thank you for listening to Creativize, Strategize, and Synergize. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe, share, and leave a rating. We'd really appreciate it. You can find Chris on social media using the handle at Elephant Scout. You can find me with at Atish Mazish. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter with at CSS Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at cscottcreate.com. Thank you so much.